Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast, where we are breaking down Lions' next upcoming matchup. It's week 16. It is finally Minnesota Vikings week. Uh, we have waited forever for this, uh, I guess. I don't know. We, we, we've got mixed feelings about the Vikings. Well, we're going to get into that in a, bit, in a little bit. My name, by the way, Jeremy Reisman, yeah, the producer of Pride of Detroit. Uh, you can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, co-hosting this thing is senior editor, Pride of Detroit is at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan Matthews, how are we doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing well, but don't bury the lead. What's that? Get to the guest. Get to the guest. It's what the people have been waiting Let's for. Let's not feed the man's ego that much. <laughs> um, I did, I, unlike him on, on his podcast, I did not ask what I should call him. So I'm going to run through my own notes of what his titles are, which is uh, the writer of his own substack called the wide left post.substack.com. I don't know how substack works, but he's got his own substack, which is definitely worth reading, subscribing to. And you sound like you're familiar with it for sure. <laughs> and he is the co-host of the Norse code podcast, which books the best guests without a doubt. And, uh, you. Arif- <laughs> and we also booked you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Arif Hassan is here. Arif, how are we doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited uh, to get some Pride of Detroit stickers, right? That's like the... Yeah, that, I guess I, <laughs> I do have to return the favor there, huh? Yeah. It's we're, a hot ticket Christmas item. We're working on shower curtain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll work your way up there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, all right, let's get to it. Uh, breaking down Lions, Vikings here. We like to start with the opposing team's offense first, going against the Lions' defense. So, of course, we have to start here with with Nick Mullins. Uh, I think I read your article about the kind of Mullins versus Dobbs debate. Um, seemed like maybe you came out on it was a good decision to go to Nick Mullins. Uh, do you still stand by the, that decision after the Bengals game? Yeah. Dobbs, I think that it's more that his familiarity with the offense allows the to call a wider range of plays and uh, the receivers have the ability to run stuff like option routes or make side adjustments um, or you know the hot routes will be something that Nick Mullins will be able to pay attention to um, Dobbs's like introduction to the offense has been like very basic like famously you know in that first game um, you know the plays were being explained to him in the headset by Kevin O'Connell right it's just like nuts stuff which is like cool it makes for a great story but in terms of like sustaining an offense that's like not wonderful uh, and so Mullins who's been familiar with the offense uh, for two years has had time in a very similar system with Shanahan before, um, knows kind of like, first of all, what the plays were called, which I think is like good. Um, 
but also like knows that receivers have to make this adjustment here. Uh, he knows what the timing is. He knows kind of generally speaking, like where the ball should go in terms of like ball location for the design of the play and the receiver preference and stuff like that. Uh, so it's like less a talent question and more familiarity question. I do think that like if they both had the same amount of time to learn the offense, it's probably, but not definitely the case that Joshua Dobbs would come out ahead. Um, but the fact that it's not definite, I think, you know, tells you pretty much outright that Nick Mullins probably should have the job just based off of that familiarity. Well, so, so the other thing too, Arif, is that like, yeah, I mean, you're no stranger to Nick Mullins. Like he's been in the building for longer than Josh Dobbs has been. Um, is there any advantage that you see, like, especially going back to the, the first start against, or the second start, I should say, against Cincinnati. Um, like, it, it, was there anything in that game that made you say, like, oh, like, Kevin O'Connell can build something out of um, out of Nick Mullins here down the stretch for these three games? Uh, build something, no. <laughs> like, like, like a life raft to get them to week 18, Arif. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it's just no monuments or anything, that's for sure. But, you know, dinghies, yeah, for sure. You know, tugboats, yeah, I'm here. Uh, cruise ships, yachts, not as much. Uh, I, I think that um, having an offense that has Justin Jefferson healthy is always going to give you a bit of a chance. Just interestingly, something that Joshua Dobbs didn't really have access to. It's kind of an unfair competition. Um, there, Je Jefferson was healthy for one game that Joshua Dobbs was active and in that game. Dobbs, a lot of Vikings fans said Dobbs like threw a hospital ball and injured Justin Jefferson. And while that's not necessarily untrue, it's also a little unfair because receivers take that kind of hit all the time. Just so happened that that one literally sent Jefferson to the hospital. Um, and so, you know, Dobbs just hasn't really had the same opportunities as Mullins. Um, but I think it's still fair to say that kind of regardless, you know, Jefferson always kind of gives you a chance. He has an enormous catch radius. He's got the ability to kind of get open at a moment's notice. And we saw like in the game that it, when he was playing that um, – that Jefferson has this like gravity to him where uh, teams will rotate their coverages in his direction. They'll outright double him in ways that, you know, cause a lot of people talk about like doubling receivers a lot. And really what they mean is like bracket coverage, or you've got somebody kind of always underneath, but like Calvin Johnson was like doubled, right? Like there were like two people on him. And like, we're seeing that with Justin Jefferson, which is like nuts. Cause he's not like a physical phenom in the way that like Calvin Johnson is, but he still like requires and demands that kind of attention that opens up space for a lot of these other players like TJ Hawkinson, of course, who you're familiar with, uh, Jordan Addison, who's having a really good year, um, and KJ Osborne, who is a player. Um, having that kind of space available uh, has been pretty big, I think, uh, for making that offense effective. And I think that with Mullins, who knows where all those receivers should be, you know, you've got the ability to do something like that. I don't know that Kevin O'Connell is is calling plays any differently from Mullins than he would for, say, Kirk Cousins or anything like that. I think he's calling basically the exact same offense. Um, but I think that Mullins doesn't have the same armory of throws available to him. So you're not going to see any as many throws to the outside deep, right? Because I don't think he's got the arm strength necessarily. You're not going to see as many tight window throws or you, we would hope not actually he throws a ton of tight window throws and I'd rather he throw less. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the offense is not asking him to is maybe a better way to put it. And he's just like choosing to, he like led the league last week in tight window throw percentage. It's just like that guy. Okay. <laughs> so he doesn't lack moxie is what you're telling me. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he's very confident. He's a, he's a wild dude. 
uh, on the field. Uh, off the field, he seems pretty chill. But, <laughs> um, but like, you know, like there's like this thing about like these backup quarterbacks. We always kind of assume that they're fairly careful with the ball, especially yeah. when, you know, they're not super athletes. They don't have the skin tone we associate with people who are high variance quarterbacks. Just not fair to people like Tyrod Taylor or Jalen Hurts, but whatever. <laughs> um, I'm just talking about perception, right? right. right? Um, but Mullins like puts the ball in danger like a lot. And yeah. like there's there's a there's a play last week where he's going to the ground and he just like throws the ball up and like the defensive lineman is like, oh, I've got a pick now. That's crazy. I didn't <laughs> really expect that going in. Uh, <laughs> and and he has a pick. And then there's yeah. like another play later in the game where he does the same thing. And of course, he gets rewarded with a 37-yard touchdown. Uh Jordan Addison's like picking it up off the ground. Like it's just right. crazy. Terrible ball placement. Jordan Addison uh bails him out entirely, has a ton of a- excellent yards after the catch. And like he like he's like on he's like, I always expected the ball to be there. He like it's like grabbing the ball and running. It's yeah. crazy. Um it's like it's very like, oh, he's got like case Keenum luck right now. That's great. Um, but yeah, so he'll like he'll put the ball in danger and stuff like that. Um, but he still like operates the offense, which is not something that, that, that Dobbs did. And that allows Kevin O'Connell to have the offense he intended to have out on the field. So I, I guess it's that, is that the reason why, I mean, you, you look at the, the stats of the, the day, you look at how generally Minnesota was able to move the ball in that game against the, <clears throat> the Bengals is, is that, I mean, he had over 300 yards. He completed like. 78% of his passes or something like that. Is is that what he's just good at? Is is just kind of like operating in a system that has all of the appropriate parts around it? Like, I mean, we were having this conversation a little bit about golf. Like, is he just a guy that, you know, to to channel my 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 Cam Newton here? Is he is he just like a decent game manager outside of all these dangerous passes that he's making? Yeah, we don't have to get into the debate about what a game manager is. I'll just agree. Yeah, basically. Okay. Uh he'll yeah, he'll operate the offense, you know, yeah. all the all the sticks and levers are available to him and he'll be like, you know, press that button, he'll move and like it's fine, right? He knows how yeah. to do the thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting because like you say, 78% completion percentage, which by the way, I think it was like plus nine in terms of like expected like CPOE was plus nine. Yeah. Um Seeing that number right after the game, like looking at the Arby's don't matter box score, I was just like, that's no way. And I was like, I kind of, yeah, he made all those passes and, and they were all fairly, that's crazy. Uh, he should not be, make, he's not that accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I think the receivers bailed him out. Like, And that's that's like the nuts thing. The last like full game Joshua Dobbs had, he had six, or not full game, three quarters. He had six drops from receivers, right? And they won two of eight contested or one of seven contested catches. And then Nick Mullins has a full game, no drops. They won all but one contested catch. And some of that has to do with ball placement. Some of that is like the catches are a little bit. So a drop is a little bit different, but a lot of that is just like, Hey, you got lucky. And that's great. That's good. Good for you, man. (laughs) But he's not, he's more accurate, but he's not substantially more accurate. Uh, The thing is it's, it's on time is like the huge deal. Mm. Um, And so the offense is in rhythm basically the whole time. The offensive line is extremely good. Not something I expected to ever say about a Vikings offensive line, but it's <laughs> extremely good at pass protection. And uh, and that helped out a lot. And then Ty Chandler had like the game of his life and uh, they had a really good run blocking unit that week. And so um, that kind of helped a lot is that when when you're getting eight yards a carry on first down, I think he had, I think he had four first down runs where he gained exactly eight yards. Like, okay, yeah, I Nick Mullins can work with that. Right. Um, so he's been put into kind of manageable situations too, which has helped. 
Yeah. And, and I know, um, I don't think Madison hasn't practiced at all this week so far. Um, and, you know, it seems like for all intents and purposes, it's going to be Ty Chandler who gets the opportunity. How much did, I mean, he's played pretty well. I mean, over the past couple of games, you know, 4.8 yards of carry. Uh, is that enough to really help, I guess, the offense as a whole stay on rhythm and and, and help Mullins along? And, and, and do you think that's something that's repeatable against a team that isn't the Bengals? And I, I think they rank 29th in run defense. Stephen yeah, Ray. I'd answer that last one first. No, I don't think that's repeatable. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, the Bengals run defense. Well, especially because so the Bengals run defense statistically is quite poor, but you also have to take into account the fact that like DJ Reader was injured very yes, early in the game. Right. So they were up against yeah. a much softer run defense. Than, um, than would be typical for even a soft reader fantastic. He's not the reason that they've got a soft run defense, but um, without him, it's it's substantially worse. Uh, so I think that that's a big part of it. Um, the Vikings run blocking unit is pretty good. I think the PFF grades are good, and the ESPN run block win rate is not quite as good, if I remember. But you know, based on kind of just watching, I think that they they tend to be fairly good. And then Alexander Madison is just not lived up to what they've provided. I think that he's just not a very good running back. Um, he, he knows everything, which is why he's the starter. But um, I, I don't know that he's got kind of the burst of the juice to, to be an effective running back. Uh, it does not look like he'll play this week. So Ty Chandler is going to get the uh, the opportunity. I broke down a little bit of his statistics and a little bit of his film. I wrote a piece uh, over at Zone Coverage where I talked a little bit about what he provides and what's a little bit different about him versus Madison. And um, right now, in terms of EPA per play, he's like, up, he's like a top 10 back, which Small sample, it was like 70 carries. It's a small sample. But um, it's also pretty high in success rate, too, which I think uh, is is somewhat meaningful in those samples. Uh, and the run blocking has been there, right? Uh, I just don't think that against a, a genuinely good run blocking front, because like Ty Chandler's carries have not just come against the Bengals. I mean, they've come against like the Raiders, like, ooh. Right. <laughs> like it's it's not comparable. Right. Uh, and so we'll see what happens when Garrett Bradbury has to go up against like like real life nose tackles uh, and, uh, and and whether or not he's got the ability to continue to, to create big run lanes. Um, I don't think that the run game is going to be catastrophically bad or anything, but I just don't think it's going to be as big of an asset as it has been um, over the, even over the past couple of weeks, because Madison has averaged fairly well uh, over the past couple of weeks as well, but against like run defenses that are somewhat soft. I want to get yeah. a little bit back. And, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and the Vikings yeah, I was going to say the Vikings do rank 10th in adjusted line yards. So, I mean, um, and, and 20th in open field rank. So I, I think that kind of tells you, hey, not, not a ton really of have a guy yeah. who, yeah. Once, he, yeah, once he gets past that line, he's yeah. doing a whole lot. Uh, and that's and it's almost entirely an Alexander Madison problem. He just yeah. he just doesn't have it. So when Ty Chandler gets some space, he's, he, he really is a spark plug. He can really move. I want to get back to the, the passing game a little bit, because I think the Vikings are a top 10 team in terms of early down pass rate. Um that they like to do it. They've got the the people to do it. Jordan Addison's having a hell of a year. Um, what, but but at the same time, with Mullins in there, I think his eight out was just about six point eight uh, last game, or at least for the season. Um, is that how they like to attack? Are are they kind of a more short yardage passing attack, at least with Mullins, or is that just kind of what they do in general, anyways? Uh, with Mullins, I, I th with Cousins, yeah. they like to throw deep a little bit more often, actually a lot more often. Um, it, it also depends on how confident they are in their play action game. They're a team that very much like if we can't run the ball, we can't do play action all that much, which mm -hmm. like Kirk Cousins has pushed back. At. Like, he's, he's been like, hey, the data says that you can and I feel it. And it's like, OK, dude, I mean, you're right. But like, 
<laughs> do you do you have the gravity to say that? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things. Um, he wants to do play action a little bit more. Obviously, it kind of doesn't uh, matter anymore that he wants to do it. But uh, that is kind of a big part of like when they do pass deep a lot. But they have um, when they've got like all the receivers healthy, they do they do like to throw the ball deep. If either Hawkinson or Jefferson are injured, um, they change the route concepts to be a little bit more shallow. But because uh, one of them is always pulling an additional defender, you've got some opportunities deep that you otherwise wouldn't have. And now that you've got Jordan Addison, who is a really great deep ball receiver. Um, I mean, that's like primarily the thing that he's good at, honestly. Um, you're, you're creating a ton of opportunities to throw deep. But again, with Nick Mullins in there, um, Mullins, I don't think, completed a pass over 20 yards last week uh, against the Bengals. So I think he had like one attempt, wasn't complete. I get it. It was like, I'm not doing that again. Um, so uh, it, was, it just wasn't there. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't think that we're going to see a, a tremendously deep passing game if there are opportunities, right? I, I think that they'll be like, Hey, you know, uh, was making a bunch of mistakes. He's not doing the stuff that he was doing the last two weeks. Uh, we're going to, we're going to throw over the top. Um, they'll probably do it and they'll have Nick Mullins, like try to do it. And then Jordan Addison's got pretty decent ball tracking and they'll try to take advantage of it. But I don't think that they're, I think they would have to hunt for it. I don't think that it's going to be as a matter of course, something that they'll have. Real quick, back to the offensive line, just for injury update kind of thing. Brian O'Neill gets injured in the, in the Raiders game. Doesn't play the Bagels game. Like, is is he? Do you think he could go this week? If, if um, yeah. So I I think that um he's on track to go. I don't know that like one hundred percent certain at the moment. But if he doesn't, it's David Questenberry. Um, which is a decision I kind of disagree with. Last year was Blake Brandel, but they've moved him entirely to guard. And Blake Brandel's been like a good backup tackle. I don't really know why you would do that, but. That's what it is. And Questenberry uh, did better than I expected, if I'm going to be 100 percent honest. Um, but I I don't have a ton of faith that that's going to continue being um, like a, a locus of high level player or anything like that. I think that that's going to be a concern. Um, that said, I mean, like the Vikings were like very good at run blocking and they did not shy away from running behind Questenberry. Uh, again, the Bengals front, you know, but um, I, I, I think that that was like a pleasant surprise. And, you know, it, I think that they'll. Um, continue to kind of adjust what they do based off of like how well that matchup goes. I think that's going to be pretty big for them. And I think like, um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson seen like chips and double teams all year. I think the Vikings are not going to stray away from that too much. And I think they chipped, I think the Vikings tend to chip too much anyway. Uh, and so I think that we're probably going to see a lot of that in this game. And my concern about their chipping is that like very often one of the key uh, elements of a passing progression is going to be the tight end who chips, usually Hawkinson. And the timing is just, off after the chip um he's not he, he doesn't Hawkinson's a very good tight end who's not a great at anything you all know this um and one of the things that he's not great at is re-entering the timing of the route when it's disrupted he's very good he's not you know he's not great <laughs> that's fair um one more yeah. question before we go to our break here um i want to put your i want you to put your kevin o'connell hat on here you're 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 doing your, your scouting of the Lions, what's, I guess, the the biggest concern you have looking at the Lions in terms of maybe their ability to match up well against the, the Vikings offense? Uh, yeah, I don't think they've got enough healthy knees to survive being bitten all that often. Um, that's a concern. No, uh, uh, I... I uh, so the Vikings are a very like volatile defense, just generally speaking. And that puts a lot of pressure on the offense to sometimes like, obviously the defense has been successful for most yeah. of every game. Right. 
But because it has kind of relied on like this blitzing and getting these turnovers in critical situations, um, and it has like lived on the edge of like this red zone stuff. Like they've they've gotten they've allowed a, a bunch of teams to enter the red zone, and then they just get like a takeaway. It's like oh, don't worry about it. it never happens. <laughs> right. um, it it puts a lot of pressure, I think, on that offense to just not put the defense in those situations. And it is a fairly turnover prone offense. Um, even though they should be a little bit more careful given the nature of their defense. Now, I know the Lions aren't like a huge takeaway team or anything like that, but I do think that given the um, given the physicality that the Lions defense provides, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for the Vikings to just kind of lose all these fumbles. I mean, they've, they've been a really bad fumbling team, also a bad fumble recovery team. That's a little bit less um, you know, statistically relevant because that doesn't bear out. But they are bad at it. They've been bad at it. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. Um, I do think that they will continue to not take care of the ball. Um, no matter who the quarterback is, when they get sacked, there's like a high degree of fumble probability, which is very annoying. Um, I think Jefferson's like the only guy that doesn't fumble a ton. He still had a couple of fumbles. Uh, Madison's the worst and he's not playing probably. So there's that. Um, but, uh, you know, Ty Chandler's had a low sample, but he's fumbled a little bit. Addison's fumbled a little bit. Hawkinson, you know, so uh my concern is more the physicality is going to create some problems for this offense and the offense is not going to work their way into situations where they really protect the ball and protect that defense. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back more with Arif Hassan, as we switch things over to the Lions offense versus Vikings defense, when we come back here on first bite. And we are back here on First Bite, breaking down Lions versus Vikings. Week 16 here with Arif Hassan. Let's get talking about that Vikings defense now. I know all the talk is about the, the blitz schemes, the dropping into coverage, all that sort of stuff. But I want to actually start with the Vikings run defense first, run defense first, um, because I think it might be a pretty big key to this game. The Lions obviously like to run the ball quite a bit. They've been pretty darn good at it over the past couple months. So, um, but the Vikings have been pretty darn good at stopping the run in. And I'm guessing that might have at least a little bit more to do with personnel than, than just scheme. So how have the Vikings been successful in that facet of the game so far? Uh, so what's interesting is that they've had to like switch out their linebackers a bunch, mostly due to injury, but also like, you know, they, they branched Brian Asimov because he just wasn't playing as well as somebody like Jordan Hicks or so Jordan Hicks plays uh, instead of Asimov Hicks is playing like, like like he was a rookie in Philadelphia, like that year was like really great for him. And then from there, it kind of dropped off. He was playing at that level again, which is really great, um, really creating a lot of tackles for loss, following kind of like the direction of the run, flowing to the ball, really great stuff, gets injured. Uh, and then they kind of like rotate between a bunch of players. Brian Asimov a little bit, but not as much. Ivan Pace Jr., undrafted free agent, won like defensive player of the week two weeks ago. Um He's been having a, a remarkable season. Um, they thrown like Anthony Barr in there. Like, by the way, Anthony Barr is back. I forgot. Uh, about they that. Him, yeah, he, he's wearing a, the wrong number now. But um, but yeah, he's like wearing fifty four. I hate it. Um, that's Eric Kendricks's number. I was afraid it was um, going to be like a thirteen or something crazy like that. No, 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 no. But like he he was wearing fifty five. I got used to it. Now he's wearing fifty four. And hmm. even though it's technically it's just one number different, it just feels substantially different. I don't love it. Hmm. Um. 
but you know, like they, they've been they've been switching out. Like there's like four different players. Like Troy Dye has played a bunch, uh, and they've still been able to do a pretty good job of generating a bunch of tackles for loss. Some of it is how aggressive that defense is. So schematically, they'll push the linebackers into areas where the run would go because of how the gaps are fitted up because of the blitz that would have normally been on a pass. Um, they're pretty good at kind of identifying where that that should be or what the cutback lane is. But also, obviously the Vikings are winning their blocks, right? Like that's like the key in any, any run defense. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like Harrison Phillips is playing outstanding football. Um, Jonathan Bullard, which I, I would have never expected is playing like killer, like kick ass run defense. Um, just like, like, and and it's either like, he's doing a great job, like kind of maintaining his gap presence, or he's just creating tackles for loss. Like in terms of his decision-making on when to freelance, he's doing a very good job of kind of identifying what he needs to do. Um, they previously had Dean Lowry before he got hurt. He wasn't playing super well. It's kind of a, uh, been a huge surprise that the, um, that, you know, uh, that Jonathan Bullard, when he stepped in, was playing at a higher level. Um, but yeah, in and sometimes if they're up against like a run heavy team, they'll activate somebody like Kyrie Stanga. They might do that this week. I don't know. Um, who is a pretty decent nose tackle? Uh, he's like he like despite being like three hundred and thirty pounds, he he's more like a really good run defending three technique in that he creates like tackles for loss. He tries to get into the backfield, but he can get blown off the ball a little bit if he's not winning off the snap. Um, Obviously, it's absurd to look at him and, and call him that, but the way that it kind of profiles, like statistically and kind of how it plays out on the field is, is like that. So that's like a big part of it. But I think the the biggest element is that their edge rushers are very good against the run. That to me is, is the biggest element in terms of their run defense. And I don't want to say that the Vikings are astounding uh, from a run defense standpoint. I think in terms of EPA per play, they're like 10th, which is good, but it's not like, you know, so I don't want to oversell it or anything like that. That will make a lot of mistakes. But Daniel Hunter, out of like all of uh, the... Uh, Defensive player of the year candidates at edge rusher. Daniel Hunter might be like the best run defender out of all of them. Uh, it's probably like Daniel Hunter and then Max Crosby and then probably Miles Garrett in terms of like run defense alone. Um, and and he's he's just so good at identifying, again, like when to freelance, um, how to win uh, his half of, uh, you know, you attack half a man is like the, the coaching point on both right. sides of the ball. He knows how to win his half of the man um and and close out that gap so i think that's a big part of it dj Wanham is, is doing all right in that capacity but a lot of it's like daniel hunter's doing a great job so jeremy based on what reef just said do you get any sense maybe that this game might be a little bit more david montgomery heavy or are we going to see you know just as much jameer gibbs as as maybe we've been hoping we wanted to see i don't i mean i, I was talking with this on our reefs podcast i feel like a lot of it is i mean they'll just rotate on drive by drive, they'll they'll feed whatever the hot hand is in this game. And you'd think it'd be more game plan specific, but I don't know. That's how I don't know if that's really how the Lions roll with those two right now. I think it's just whoever's feeling it or we'll rotate drive by drive. I, I mean, I don't know. What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think it really is like the Lions feel like they're going to dictate when they have their running backs out on the field, right? Because they're interchangeable, you know, yep. and we talked about that all season long. That was the upgrade from having the duo of of Jamal and, and DeAndre was that, well, it kind of telegraphed things as far as what the offense was going to do. Yeah. If, 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 you know, Montgomery's not off to a good start on a drive, there's nothing keeping Jameer Gibbs on the sideline, right? Like we're not saying that it'll be strictly drive by drive, but like, I think they have more freedom to kind of dictate what they want to do on offense when it comes to those running backs. So, um, but uh, I, I guess Arif, I want to talk about maybe covering running backs. This is totally off the uh, outline, Jeremy, but Tell me more about Ivan Pace, because like every time I watch him, he looks like an absolute menace out on the field. And, he and he's, he, he has an awesome coverage grade. 
PFF, really high grade for a, a linebacker, an undrafted guy. Like, t- tell me more about this guy and, and how he factors into the Vikings defense. Honestly, I think coverage is his weakness, if I'm being like <laughs> completely... Um, so like, the, so like, this is actually at PFF actually, at PFF or well, no, no, no. I, I don't think PFF is necessarily wrong because I, this also reminds me of when like Anthony Barr had like a really high coverage grade for the Vikings. Well, it turns out like they made Eric Hendricks do all the really difficult stuff. And then Anthony Barr is like buzzing to the flat. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you stopped like the halfback from receiving, getting the target, like good dude. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love Anthony Barr, but it's like, you know, <laughs> uh, but like Ivan Pace has been given a lot of assignments where, first of all, he's like blitzing a lot more than a typical linebacker, but he's given a lot of coverage assignments that don't really ask a lot of him from like an awareness perspective. Like he's not being asked to hit his own landmarks and kind of flow to the ball as much. He's doing it a little bit more in the past couple of weeks, but it's still it's still not a huge part of his game. It was kind of the weakness of his um, coming out of the draft, which is why he was undrafted, right? A 5'10 linebacker whose weakness is coverage is like kind of nuts, right? Like, why would you get that guy? Well, it turns out he's a dynamo. Like, he's a bowling ball. He's really great at blitzing. He's really good at run defense. Um, and so he he's really, like, physically blows people up. Um, that's, like, the thing that he's good at. And then he's, like, getting good at coverage, you know, one hopes, right? Um, but if he, if he's being asked to, like, run with a tight end down the field, down the seam, um, I that would be a concern of mine. Um, so like, I think that that's kind of, um, the way that plays out, they're just putting him in, in positions where he wins. Another element of this is the Vikings. A lot of people, when they talk about the Vikings scheme, I think rightly so focus on the pass rushing and the blitzing element of it, but also like the players that they put on the field, like they, they do a bunch of three safety, sometimes three safety, three, uh, three corner, like nickel and dime looks right. Um, and, uh, their, their third safety is Josh Metellus, who's having an outstanding year. Um, he's playing a ton of snaps and he's picking up a lot of the coverage assignments that you would expect, you know, a linebacker in that situation to pick up. And so that is helping in terms of, um, the coverage responsibilities. Now, if the lions go heavy, which I feel like is characteristic of the lions, um, I don't know how often we'll see uh, the uh, the dime look, but we may see a lot of nickel just because that's where the Vikings are most comfortable. And so there might be a personnel mismatch there. Again, the Vikings have been pretty good against the run despite all that. Part of that's because players like Cam Bynum and Harrison Smith and Josh Metellus are very good run defense safeties. Um, although in the last couple of weeks, Bynum has been missing more tackles than than I think we're comfortable with. Um, but, a lo- but a lot of it has just been like, hey, we're going to aim the linebacker at the gap we think our running back would go to, and hopefully that works out. Um, and it has been, and he's very good at being a missile. Um, so, uh, that's like, that's a lot of it, but he, I mean, he's an outstanding player. It's just like coverage is not the area that I would rely on him the most. I want, I want to get to some of the crazy stuff that they do in terms of pass rush, in terms of dropping into coverage, all that sort of stuff. And I want to start with kind of a more basic question because I, I was hurt on the Vikings this offseason. I'm not going to lie. I, I did not think they were going to be a great team this year. Um, I think yeah, their personnel, fair. I think their personnel probably got worse on the defensive yep. side of the ball. Um, 100% agree. Okay. Uh, so you're with me there. So I guess my question then is like, I did not, I was, I was definitely worried about the Brian Flores hiring. My question is because I was like, okay, but he's not going to turn around in year one. So what has he done to do that? Like, how, it, has he simplified things while also creating nope. a bunch of chaos? Because it does not look simple at all. So how, how, <laughs> I guess, how have he, has he managed? Is he just an outstanding coach? Is that the answer? Yeah, which I think um, Dolphins fans would have some contention with that characterization. But <laughs> um, yeah, what's interesting, though, is that when he showed up to the Dolphins, um, their defense was like 30th or something like that right. before he arrived. And he brought them up to like 14th, which is great. That's really fantastic. 
Uh, and then he brought them to like second the year after that. So you would think like yeah, maybe kind of a similar timeline. We've seen a lot of really good defensive coaches turn defenses around after two years. Mike Zimmer did that yeah. um, in Minnesota where they went from like 27 to 19 to one. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's like a fairly typical, like that happens on both sides of the ball because you have to get your personnel right. You have to train um, the defense and, and what, what's happening here is like fairly, I'm not going to say unprecedented, but fairly unique. Uh, and there's a really good story by Kevin Seifert over at ESPN that kind of explores this question, I think in a very satisfying amount of detail when he was at uh, the, uh, at Pittsburgh with the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, they like share a practice facility with Pitt, which is weird, but cool. I think, sure. um, you know, just have like the, the local ties, right? I, yeah, I yeah. think it's really cool to, um, and that would allow him to interface a lot with um, former receiver Taekwon Underwood, which, okay. Uh, he's a defensive assistant now for Pitt. Uh, and also Pat Narduzzi, right? Who's running, um, you know, a, a really interesting scheme over there. And so for the entire year, he's like absorbing a lot of elements to this defense that has, um, you know, it's it's not as blitz heavy as what the Vikings are doing, but it, it's creating um, this interesting, like, a lot of times when you're blitzing that many players, you're almost always in man coverage and the Vikings aren't. They're in zone coverage, which is like, wow, that's <laughs> bold. Um but it also confuses quarterbacks a lot uh, because they're not hitting their landmarks in the right way. The leverage is off because like you can identify man coverage based off of like the cornerback leverage right against the receiver uh, and and they're leveraged wrong for this to be a blitz. But also there's like seven people at the line of scrimmage. It, it's, it's, it's like a lot to sort through with like two and a half seconds. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so like that's part of it is that like you've got you've got the zone look behind a blitz heavy front and the blitz is very good at disguising itself like they make sure that players aren't giving away who's doing what on these blitzes plus he does mix in a fair amount of stunts and twists not as much as when he was with Miami or when he was with the New England Patriots it's not as stunt or twist heavy as either of those teams but he does mix a fair amount of that up and that creates communication problems along the offensive line um, and the Vikings aren't getting a ton of pressure in fact I believe they're they're like one of the lowest pressure rate units in the league, but the quarterbacks are anticipating pressure and they're getting rid of the ball quickly. The Vikings have the lowest uh, opponent time to throw in the NFL by a fairly substantial margin. And it tends to be uh, a very low depth of target. They're throwing a, tons of, a ton of screens, a ton of slants, a ton of getting rid of the ball quickly. And the Vikings tackle very well. And so they're creating situations where they know what the quarterback is going to do. And then they just take care of it against the Bengals. That didn't happen. Uh, the Bengals in the fourth quarter were like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to chuck it deep, I guess. And like Jake Browning is not like a chuck it deep guy, but he's <laughs> also very confident. And so when they were like, hey, you got to chuck it deep. You got T Higgins. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, and he'll like, throw it deep. And now you're in a situation where you've got like 5'10 Mickey Blackman or rookie third round pick up against T Higgins. Uh, and then it's not working out. Right. Uh, and so, um, that like a lot of times offensive coordinators don't have the confidence, even when they've got a really good offensive line, that they're going to have the time to throw a deep. The Bengals should not be one of those teams. They have an awful offensive line. Right. And still, um, Zach Taylor was like, oh, well, all this other stuff's not working. We might as well. Right. And they they scored uh, three touchdowns and three drives at the end in the fourth quarter. Um so a lot of it is the Vikings force quarterbacks to throw deep, uh, throw short, uh, and and they tackle well. Um, a lot of it is that there's a lot of confidence that the players have in the system, and I know a bunch of people talk about that all the time. It sounds like a like a tired whatever, but like the thing that's really interesting to me that makes it seem like the players do like own the defense in a way that seems not as common when we're when we're engaging in this kind of like off season fluff speak about players being confident in the scheme is that the players just get to change the call in the field like whenever they want. Hmm. Um, 
And so like he'll he'll give them a call and they'll understand the purpose behind that he like encourages players to ask why, which again you hear that a lot. But when the players know like why the play is called the way it is, when they adjust or change the play, um, they'll do it to fulfill the same function that that Flores is asking them to fulfill. Uh and that allows A, that defense to be insanely unpredictable. Um but B, it also allows the players to feel like like they own the defense in a really substantial way and that the defensive performance is in many ways on them, but they also can respond much more quickly to the realities of what's happening on the field than a defensive coordinator can. And so it's a much more adaptable defense in that way. Can, can you think off the top of your head um, where this year the the blitzing has come at uh... – you know, of a fault of Brian Flores, like any times that stand out to you in terms of like, hey, offenses were able to kind of wrap their brain around this and they were able to kind of punish the, the Vikings and the Vikings defense because of some of the aggressiveness. Yeah, I, I don't actually think the Bengals game would be a good example of that, despite kind of what I just described, because a lot of the big plays did occur when the Vikings rushed four, which was like the- and they were playing very conservative right at the end of the game. Yeah, which is very unusual for Brian Flores right. rushing four is also just very neutral for him like it's 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 three or six is usually what happens uh if you combine the rush three snaps with the rush six snaps the vikings have like like 65 percent, and the rest of the league is at like 10 it's crazy <laughs> um because when teams blitz they usually like send five by right. cover right uh so yeah it's it's so uh I think that the rushing four stuff against the Bengals was like kind of unusual, but they didn't have like the horses to really do that. They don't get a ton of pressure with four. Um, early in the season, there were um, a lot of instances where the blitz heavy system created some opportunities that other teams took advantage of, specifically like Baker Mayfield, who I get, I mean, he's having a good year, but I think at the time we were all like, all right, this is going to be another year of this defense being garbage. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, really? Um <laughs> And and the defense went through like a huge shift uh, in week four, week five. Like they they changed the scheme in a really significant um, respect, and that changed the the defensive numbers in a big way. Justin Herbert did worse against the blitz than he did against non blitzes, but there were still opportunities that he had against the blitz that created some pretty big plays. Of course, at the time, he had a fairly healthy team, which is kind of a luxury for him. Um, and and they were able to like chunk it deep to like Mike Williams or like give like 15 passes. To, I think Keenan Allen set a franchise record for receptions in that game. Uh, so like, um, yeah, I there are, there are, but like a lot of times it's just been relatively sound where like they blitz a ton and teams just don't know where the hole is uh, in the coverage. And so they either throw the ball away. Like I've seen like fourth down throwaways, right? Uh -oh. Which uh -oh. I know you're familiar with uh -oh. that. <laughs> uh, but but like now other teams are doing it now it's a safe space for fourth down throwaways doesn't make it okay oh, <laughs> don't, don't condone that kind of behavior on the show <laughs> digging up old scars Arif. how dare you um look i already did the kneecap spit if i can if i can withdraw as many old memes as possible i will yeah we'll um, get a bingo <laughs> yeah right but yeah so like i've seen that i've seen like teams are just like oh this there's like too much heat we gotta we gotta dump the ball off it's like third and 22 you do not gotta dump the ball off what are you doing um and, but they are right because yeah. it's like the quarterback is like blitz i gotta get rid of this and um yeah so like again the pressure is not really there the sack rates are okay you know hunter i think is like fourth in the nfl right now it's some, somewhere between second and fourth um in the nfl on sacks but a lot of that's just like the quarterback finally decided to hold on to the ball, like much to his chagrin more than anything else. Interesting. 
Um, all right. I want to move on to the final and uh, most anticipated part of the show. And it's the what oh, it's no. called the one thing we think we know where we make a prediction about the game. Doesn't have to be the score prediction. Doesn't have to be the winner. Can be any aspect of the game. Just predicting something that's going to happen. Um, I won't put your feet to the fire yet. Arif, we'll we'll have Ryan. Already on mine. It's done first. Oh, you already have. Well, you, yeah, you don't go first. That's not how it works. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Vikings? Well, I, I kind of feel some more pressure now, considering <laughs> that there's somebody out there who is tracking our <laughs> our oh, results. Yeah. And our wins and losses oh my God. on Twitter. Yeah. I inadvertently um, asked people to do that last weekend. What do you mean inadvertently? How do you accidentally do that? What do you mean I, inadvertently? Well, I just, I, I said, I wonder if anyone does it. And of course, just saying that is like, oh, I'm going to go do that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with this. Yeah. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> yes. There, there, there's, there's, there's a chart and there's colors and. Um, oh God. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So I, I feel added pressure, but um, I feel like I, I hope I'm, uh, I hope I'm appealing to the person who's putting together that chart that this one can be worth plus two so I can get um, back. back oh, does he like even does mark. he like score them based off of how unlikely they are? Yes. No, kind of, Sometimes. Kind of, sure. Yeah. OK, yeah. Uh, there, there's dark green and green, whatever. Nobody cares about this. My one thing I think <laughs> I, mean, I sounds know like you do <laughs> about uh, about Lions Vikings is that Jared Goff is going to turn the ball over on a play where it's his first read. I feel like I, I've just seen this before, like the Bears game, right, where Jared gets locked on a read. First read, he's making that throw no matter what. And I just feel like there's an opportunity there for Brian Flores to take advantage of it. So. I don't know, I, I think that there's a Jared Goff turnover uh, in, in this game. Yeah, that was very much in consideration for my one thing. I think I know, and and it was going to be more particular. It was going to be throws an interception to a linebacker, like just throws it like. He we were panics. getting pretty granular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's only going to be like one linebacker on the field. I just, you got to be. He'll find him. He'll, he'll find him. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I don't want to be too Jared Goff, Haiti. It's just to me, this this is a con- like, I think it's fair to say, like, this is a little bit of a concerning matchup for Jared Goff, a guy who when when he feels the pressure, whether it's there or not. Sorry, I just read the Twitch chat. Yeah, chat's being unruly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I without projecting us like as as golf haters i think i think just this in particular is a very interesting matchup for him i'm I'm very curious as he how he's going to navigate this very unique defense that seems to maybe be specifically targeted to panic a guy like a like him who tends to get panicked when he sees pressure again whether it's there or it's simulated so um, yeah, I think, and, I think and, this and, is a heavy pick. Right. And and I don't I don't think it's anything where I'm saying like that one turnover is going to sink the Lions because I think that the Vikings have their own problems on offense. You know what I mean? Sure. All right. Yeah, I don't have a quarterback. Yeah, that's pretty huge. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big problem. That's yeah. an issue. Uh, <laughs> all right. We'll go to you next. Not, not as steady as a mouse, for sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> should have shouldn't have ever given you ammo. Uh, well, I would have I would have asked why there was like eighty comments about steady as a mouse at some point. Uh, so I'm glad you got ahead of it. Yeah. Um, right. Arif, what's the one thing you think you know about Lions Vikings? Uh, that Khalif Raymond's going to get a forty plus yard touchdown. <laughs> He's like a non entity, right? But like every time, even Full for snaps. the Titans, every every time he plays against the Vikings, he gets like a big playoff. And I'm just like this dude. Like I like 
So because like you know, I I used to like watch other games before I previewed them. Now I just go off of vibes, so I'm much more accurate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like you know, I'd like watch like, hey, you know, I'm gonna watch the previous opponent. I watched the previous three games. I watched the Lions. Clee Freeman gets like nothing, nothing, and he goes off for like a 40 yard touch. It's just come on, man. Like what? How? And it's like against a different corner. It's not even like like a matchup thing. It's like yeah, he did it to like Xavier Rhodes with the Titans. He's done it to Trey Wayne's. He's done like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just I, you know what? I kind of feel the same way about KJ Osborne. Oh, KJ Osborne okay. always don't, has games against the Lions. That's what I'm don't saying. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. He's like receiver four now. So yeah, and yeah. Well, okay. It's Khalif Raymond is receiver four. Like <laughs> AP's telling me I'm pronouncing Khalif wrong. I love this. This is good. Khalif. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, so Osborne is, is an interesting receiver because he's like, you either kind of at extremes. He's very good at some yeah. stuff and he's very bad at other stuff this year. He's also additionally been very bad at like catching the ball, which is like a critical element of the job. <laughs> uh, if you like look at the job description, it's like right there. Yeah. Uh, um, he's like not good at it. He like, yeah, he like leads the the Vikings and drops by a somewhat substantial margin, which is important because the Vikings lead the league in drops. Um, and uh, I mean, Madison leads the Vikings in drop percentage, but like Osborne's second and he leads the team in total drops. That's a huge problem. He's not winning his contested catches, but it's also like his route spacing is wrong. Like there have been a ton of, of plays this year where um, a quarterback, whether it's like Cousins or Mullins or Dobbs, is like throwing it to a receiver. And there's actually like two receivers there. And because of that, there's three defenders there. And now all three have access to the ball, even though like. Really, there should have just been one based off of like the route concept. It's because Osborne keeps on like running routes at the wrong depth or with the wrong spacing and inviting defenders into the catch. It's like very frustrating. That's it. Last year, Osborne was great uh, up, up until the playoffs. Uh, uh, now that game against the was pretty bad against I'm, the Jets. I'm somehow but, more convinced he's going to have a big game on Sunday now after you've told told me all of this. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, <laughs> he's he like bounced between receiver like. Two and receiver five. It's like weird. The yeah. Vikings like they like benched him for Jalen Naylor like last week, and then Jalen Naylor got hurt. <laughs> and, and so they're like, all right, put Brandon Powell out there. And then Brandon Powell got hurt, and they're like, all right, okay, Osborne, you fine. And then he drops the pass. Uh, it, was, like, it was amazing. But like he should be wide receiver three based off of like his experience. And but like Brandon Powell is just killing it, and um, and Jalen Naylor is a player and so sometimes if you bench a guy you got to put that player on the field <laughs> you know it's like Fair. it's like one of those um but yeah i i that's yeah i i just i just spent like a couple minutes dogging him so i think you're right he's probably gonna make some big plays that wasn't that to be clear that is not the one thing i think i know about this but i am gonna stick with the vikings pass offense and i'm you know i'm gonna get very specific here the one thing i think i know is that Nick Mullins will throw for 300 yards again, second straight game, but he will also throw two interceptions again. So he will almost match his stat line from last week against the Bengals. I'll, I'll allow two bonus points if you can name both the players who get the interceptions. <laughs> Brian Branch. Like you're not in control of the points. Brian Branch, Alex Anzalone. I'm taking oh. control, Arif. <laughs> I'm taking control. <laughs> Alex Anzalone, that'd be big. Like, I feel like Anzalone needs a game. It's you know going mean? to be it's a deflected pass. So it won't be him. It'll just it'll be deflected at the line. He'll catch it. Wow! All that matters. Gas him is, up and it, bring him down. All that matters <laughs> is you see you see that hair flying out of the back of his helmet. It looks like he's doing something good. That's right. 
All right, let's get out of here. But before we do, of course, we want to give our guest an opportunity to promote their stuff. Arif, where can be the people find you and read your stuff and listen to your stuff? All right, so uh, I've got two podcasts, the Norse Code podcast, which Jeremy was just on, Minnesota Football Party, which Jeremy is banned from. Um, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Good. Uh, and then I write over at the Wide Left Substack. That's wideleftpost.substack.com. You can find me on Twitter at Arifasan NFL, uh, spelled A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N, one S, by the way. A lot of the chat's getting that wrong. Uh, NFL. <laughs> just Hey, if, you, if, if they're going to like dog at you about like, my, the pronunciation of my name i get to like my yeah. name is oh, on the do. screen listen um yeah well, um oh it is on it's screen. right it's no it is it's like right there. Yeah. i see it on the yeah yeah, yeah. It's, there, <laughs> it's there too it's one s um so rufus on nfl um and yeah and sometimes i'm freelance but i tweet all my articles out so you can find that stuff there yeah follow him he's a great follow mostly he's a good follow hurry <laughs> 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 love having you here buddy uh I, I guess see you in two weeks. I don't know. I'll be honest. Yeah, if, sure. I, if the lines have the division no wrapped up, I might, I might bad not have you on. For these two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, right now it doesn't feel like I'm ready to have you on again, complete, to be completely honest. Maybe maybe two weeks apart, the, the heart grows fonder, that whole thing. I, I understand. I Yeah, right. I kind of dug a pretty big hole in terms of our relationship here. We're going to so. find out real quick whether or not we can be roommates if the Lions play the Vikings you know, three times in four weeks. <laughs> nope. we're, we're, hey, I clean, I clean dishes now, man. I'm, I'm good. We're going to go, we're going to contact your, your daily Norseman co-host. If, if that happens. <laughs> uh, he All doesn't right. know anything about football. So that, that should be fun. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Arif. Thanks again for joining us. Everyone. Thank you for listening uh, until next time. Hopefully the next time you hear our voice, we're talking about the, NFC North champion Detroit Lions. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind. Mm-hmm.